Amen. Give him a big hand this morning. Jesus is worthy of our praise. You know, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them you're looking better than you did last year. And we're happy for it. Hey, great to see you this first weekend of worship to come to the Lord's house in the brand new year. We're thrilled you're here. Turn to the book of James, James chapter 4. I like the new year because it's a time where, you know, you're kind of pausing for a couple of weeks to say, what kind of a life do I want to live this year? You think about diet, you think about exercise, all those kind of things that last a while and go. But we also think about spiritual priorities. We think of this time of the year about God's will for our life. I mean, no, nothing more important. I'll try that one more time. We think about God's will. There's nothing more important than our life. Yeah, than finding the will of God. So I say the new year is a time of kind of recalibration of our lives. And there's a great promise in the book of James, James chapter 4. One, one neat way that I am drawing close to God and my friends is doing this Proverbs challenge. We've alluded to it several times, but it only lasts the month of January. Proverbs has 31 chapters, and what we do is we read a chapter a day. For example, today was the fifth. I read the fifth chapter of Proverbs, but then I posted it in a circle of friends. And uh, we interact on it. I share my thought. They share theirs. Uh, I'm afraid I'm committing spiritual suicide. I've already got eight groups (laughs) going, and uh, it takes me longer to, to post than it does to read. But it's a neat thing to get you some time in God's Word, but also to connect with some friends, and I I sure hope you'll do that with us. James 4, verse 8, it's a great promise. Uh, James says, draw near to God, and I want you to say this with me, and it's a profound thought, that as I make deliberate, conscious steps like you did, and I'm so thrilled you're here this morning, you unconsciously by coming to church said, you know what, I want God to be more important in my life. I want to put God first, and you're here. You're drawing close to God. Now, there's a, there's a gentleman on the far back row. I can't exactly make it out of him by binoculars. Why don't you stand up? Far back row, glasses there. Yeah, no, looking around. Yeah, no, you right there, glasses. Go ahead and stand up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, I'm not going to embarrass you. Well, I was actually talking about him, <laughs> but I'll take you. Uh, I, I, okay, I know you. Oh, well, I know you too, but... Hang on just a minute. If you'll come just a little bit closer to me so I can see a little bit more about you. Yeah, come on, make your way out around the chair. Don't be embarrassed now. I'm only going to ask you to give everybody $10 in church today. No problem. Come on. Come on, come on. I can't see too much about him, and he can't see about me. But now I figure out he's got glasses. I see it's Ryan. He's reluctant. He's got blue jeans on. He's stopped, so he apparently doesn't know, want to know much about me. But if he were to continue coming closer to me, I would see that in his hand is probably a red lobster card he's going to take me out to lunch with today. I mean, also, oh, nothing in his hands. But you get the point. As we move closer to people, thanks, we see more about them. We, 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 we see, if he got even closer, I could see his facial expression. I could see if he cut himself shaving this morning. I, you just see and know things about people as you get close. And can I tell you, friend, God is the same way. He's not a faraway God, but he's a God that wants to be near. And I don't mean that you physically see him, and I don't mean it's a mystical thing where goosebumps and all that, but I mean somehow in our spirit, in the real us, on the inside, that we begin to know that God is real. We begin to know his voice. We begin to know his ways. We begin to know his will for our life. And that's what this scripture promises us. And the neat thing is the Bible tells us how we can get closer to God. 
Uh, Jesus told us, I'll, I'll read the phrase in Mark chapter 2, one way that we can get closer to God. And he talked about an unusual way that you hear very little about today, but he called it fasting. And I want you to listen to these words. Mark chapter 2, verse 18, John's disciples, now that's John the Baptist, and the Pharisees were fasting. As I'll tell you today, fasting was very much practiced in the religion of the Scriptures. Uh, it was uh, John the Baptist folks were probably fasting very sincerely for a move of God. You see, they knew John the Baptist was the one that was welcoming Christ into the world. He was baptizing thousands of people. Pharisees, on the other hand, they were kind of gloomy gusses. They were more religious rules and ritual, and that is not what we're talking about here. Well, uh, but but the people found it interesting. They said, they came to Jesus and said, Why do John the disciples fast and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus gave an unusual reply when Jesus said, The days will come when the bridegroom, I'm sorry, Jesus said, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Now, Jesus is saying, I'm like a bridegroom and my disciples are like wedding guests. And fasting is not a time of sadness. How I many know when you are having a wedding, it's not a sad day. It's joyous. The bride is there. The groom is there. It is a day of celebration. And he said, that's kind of what it's like now. I, the Son of God is here. His followers are here, so they're not fasting. But notice what he said, verse 20. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. That's Jesus. That is, you remember the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension where Christ is today at the right hand of God, Jesus said that's going to happen and he, and he, from them, and then they'll fast in that day. Can you say that phrase with me? Then they'll fast in that day. And I suggest to you we are living in that day, a day that began after the ascension that's going along today. Now, fasting, though, typically when you say it, and if you've been a Christian any length of time, you go, oh, no. But fasting is not like that. Uh, do, do you get aggravated when you're trying to have a conversation with your kids or somebody and they're uh, texting on their phone? How many does it just drive you absolutely insane? Let me see your hand. Yeah, my parents say that to me. But I'm one of these people. I can take my iPhone, I can take my iPad, and even look have the TV in the room and doing all three of those things, and Mom's trying to have a conversation. And she, she says, turn it off. I want to talk to you. And can I suggest fasting is a time to remove the distractions in your life so you can have more face-to-face -face encounter with God. Fasting is a way to kind of, for a, a limited period of time, move aside the distractions so you can begin to draw closer to God, spend time with Him, so He can be the center of attention. So I want you to think of it in that way because what happens when you begin to fast and draw near to God, your spiritual life takes off. It's just if you can remember when perhaps even now you have a dial-up modem when you use the phone. You remember the dial tone and all that? And it was forever just to get on the Internet. And now you have, if you have a fast Internet, it's just like that. Well, fasting can take your spiritual life to a whole new level. And here's one thing I know. Your presence here this morning tells me that you're serious about God. Or your wife threatened you. It could be one or the other. But for most of us that are here today, we're, we're here because we're serious about God. 
We want our spiritual life to maybe be a little better tomorrow than it is yesterday. We want our spiritual life to make a difference. We don't want to just live another year of, of having fun, buying stuff, and, you know, all that we do. But we want our life to count for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got a message that will challenge you today. If you'll open your mind to this idea and see how it might personally affect you, it is a door to draw closer to God. And I've entitled the message based on the words of Jesus, Then they will fast. Let me, and I want to answer two questions in the message. And the first one, a very simple question, is what is fasting? We'll talk a little bit about the biblical history, and then I want to talk very practically about how fasting can help you and me draw closer to God. Because it's not just a duty or something a Christian should do, but it is a way that I can bridge the gap between my Heavenly Father and myself. What is fasting? Let's begin there. First of all, some biblical history. Fasting was a way of life for the Jewish people. Uh, the Jewish people had what they would call a national fast. You know, there's even been times in America's early history, you know, now we have what's called a, a national day of prayer. Uh, it's in, what is it, the fifth, uh, first, first Wednesday of May, uh, we, or first Thursday of May, where the president issues a proclamation. Well, in the early days, the proclamation was prayer and fasting for the nation. And that was based on the Bible. You see, you and I live in a world today where the revisionist historian has made us believe that America's Christian heritage is not what made this nation great. Absolutely false. The reason our, our, our elected officials lay their hands on the Bible, uh, the reason we have inscribed throughout Washington, D.C., in our, in our historical monuments and buildings, the words of the Bible, is because those that went before us believed that God's Word was foundational to a healthy society. And in America today, it's almost like we're asked to overlook all that as they declare everything under the sun unconstitutional when the men that wrote the Constitution were deeply religious people. That's what's going on around us today. But in, in, and for the Jewish people, it was a way of life. They had a national fast, the Day of Atonement, the great day of God's deliverance. And once a year, they would remember this, what God had done in the past. And they would have like a special day of worship. During the captivity, when Israel had to go to Babylon for 70 years, they had four days that they remembered great miracles of deliverance that God had done. There were also times of fasting in a crisis. And you may apply this in your life if there's a crisis in your life in the coming days. Uh, Esther, if you remember, she was the queen. And uh, ha uh, Haman wanted to kill all the Jewish people. And basically, uh, the word was this. She told uh, she was a queen, but in their crazy laws, it was forbidden from the queen to go to the king without being asked, or anybody, or they could lose their life. And here's what she said to everyone. She said, look, guys, I'm going to fast for three days. I want you to join me, and then I'm going to go see the king. And implicit in that is, <laughs> we need some help. There was also a type of fasting that uh, I think behooves us as American Christians today. It was a fasting and a remorse over the sins of the nation. Fasting in the Bible was always accompanied with prayer. If you have fasting and not prayer, all you have is a diet. But if you have fasting and growlings of stomachs and headaches and all that, but if you have fasting with prayer, that's what Ezra would do. For example, Ezra was a teaching priest, went back to the nation or to the Jerusalem after they were rebuilding the nation, and they were participating in the same sins that got them in trouble in the first place. And you know what he did? The Bible says he began to mourn, to weep, to fast, and to pray. So it's kind of like an amplifier. It's an added, added intensity. And perhaps we need to cry out for our nation in the same way. Because I don't have to tell you, our nation is in trouble. 
Uh, and perhaps you and I, in times of drawing near to God, we need to begin to cry out for God to, God to visit the nation. But anyway, in Jesus, these fasts in their day, typically they would start uh, in, in the morning and would last to the evening meal. Uh, you would fast through uh, breakfast and lunch, and then you eat dinner. Some fasts were three days. Some were 21 days. For example, the Daniel fast, which you know we've got an insert in your bulletin, very informative. You can actually, actually online too. I think DanielFast.com. But but it was a way Daniel, when he was a slave, he uh, uh, they wanted him to kind of be like the rest of the people, and they had this diet where they ate food sacrificed to idols and all that. Daniel said, "I'm not going to do it. All I'm going to eat is vegetables and grains." He'd have been a great vegan today, and uh, that was my second joke of the day, and you missed that one too. But, but Daniel, uh, it was a Daniel fast. So, and there's also fasting from pleasures. Uh, remember when Daniel was thrown the lion's den? The king fasted through the night, and he didn't watch ancient TV. I mean, he didn't have director dish, so you know, I don't know what he did. But uh, he fasted from pleasure. But it's all a means to pray and draw near to God. In the New Testament day, the actual Pharisees uh, had voluntary fasts on Monday and Thursdays, but it was not to seek after God. It was more of an outward thing where people could, could, people could make them believe that they were religious. And actually, Jesus chided them. Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus said to his disciples, say it with me, When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces so their fasting can be seen by others. But when you fast presuming that we will, anoint your head, wash your face, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So it's a secret. It's a, it's a personal thing. Uh, the early church, they would intensify their prayers, and you may find this in your life. If your prayer life needs to bump up a notch or you've got a crisis in your life, my wife's cancer that she had last year that she was battling, whatever, a loss of a job, a, a big struggle. Uh, notice Acts 14 Barnabas and uh, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. So a very biblical idea. Now the definition of fasting, very, very simple. Fasting is simply abstaining from food, drink, or pleasure. Sometimes it could be in a sparing way like Daniel. He, only ate, he didn't eat meats and sweets. But, but fasting is abstaining from food in some way and in pleasure. But it doesn't stop there. Because as I said, if you only miss a meal, you're only going to be hungry. But the purpose of fasting is prayer or prayer and repentance. Because how many know we're seeking God to speak to us? If God calls us to do something, how many know we change? Maybe God wants you to bring your mother-in-law in your home this year. No. She's already there. I know you're such a loving God. But God would ask us to do something, and what we, you and I have to get over, the hurdle, at least in my life, I have to get over oftentimes is no, <laughs> is there may be some things that God might ask. So fasting is this means that when I, when I withhold some necessity, some pleasure, and let me tell you this, if you miss a meal, you're not going to die. You're not going to die if you miss a meal. You may have a headache, but you're not going to die. But, 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 but the essence of the thing is, is that you are endeavoring to draw near to God. But you want to pray, and then whatever God says, it's what we do in our, in our time of fasting. And this is something everybody can do. 
uh, you, can, you can fast a meal, and I'm going to really encourage you this week. It's a three-week experience for us. You can do it at whatever level you want to, but you may just take a, a, a day this week. You may pick Wednesday and say, you know what? I'm going to not eat on Wednesday. I'm going to come to the church. We'll make sure it's open for you. Let us know you're coming, and I'm just going to spend an hour with God or 30 minutes. I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to pray. Uh, one thing I'm going to fast from, a pleasure, is, is radio. I love to listen to talk radio. I like to know what's going on. Uh, but in the mornings and in the lunchtime hour, I'm not going to turn my radio on. But you know what I'm going to do when I'm in the car? I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk to God. You see, fasting without eating, or it, it doesn't do any good. But if you draw closer to God, there's great, great potential power that's available for us in this. Now, uh, what I want to do now is I want to take actually the rest of the message is what I think is the most important because I want to share with you what are three big personal benefits, how fasting, how this simple act of denial and drawing closer to God will make an impact in your world. Let's look at the first one. Uh, fasting can help us find God's will. And I'm particularly talking about bigger things in life. Uh, I don't know that God's as concerned if you're shopping at Walmart or Super One, but He is concerned who you marry. He is concerned if you leave your job. He is concerned if you start a business. Come on. He is concerned if there's a ministry on the horizon for you that you want to do or you want to stop doing. I mean, there's big things in life. Fasting help you, helps you find God's will. It's, it's what I'm going to call a spiritual incubator for God to speak to us. If you know anything about uh, uh, raising, for example, chickens or, or quail or turkeys, um, if you know something about turkeys, please let me know. You and I could be friends. But uh, I'm an avid turkey hunter. But you take the, the, the fertilized eggs, you place them in the right temperature in a lighted environment, and lo and behold, after a couple of weeks, out come baby chickens and turkeys. So it's an incubation process that happens. And the same thing can happen in fasting. Now, Acts chapter 13, let's look at the early church. Now, you've got some pretty interesting people here. The church at this time is by primarily a Jewish church. The center of church life has been Jerusalem. The head of the church has been Peter. But now God is about to do what amounts to a cataclysmic shift. The church is shifting to include Gentile people, which are all non-Jews, which, mind you, today there are, I don't know, several million, I can't remember, three million, ten million Jewish people, six billion people on the planet. And God has a plan to reach all the non-Jewish people, and it's going to start right here. Well, they're worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now, what we've got here, we've got prophets, we've got teachers, uh, we've got Paul, who, who is gonna, Saul, who's going to be called Paul, uh, Barnabas. There's a lot of key Christian leaders in this room. They're, but they're worshiping the Lord and doing what? Fasting. The Holy Spirit said. Now, this was a prophecy. It was a word of knowledge. And he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. Now, one day when we're in heaven, most people that are there will be there because of this prayer meeting. The church was a Jewish church, and now God is showing us His plan to open the doors of His church, the kingdom of God, to the entire world. And it happened when some people were seeking God in prayer and fasting. 
Now, imagine it was something like this. Imagine uh, these guys were talking and they were, you know, uh, they're all kind of in the same town there. They're in Antioch and they're, they're talking about what God wants to do in the future and in the new year. And maybe something like this. They say, well, let's go, let's go, let's go over to Niger's house. And uh, Niger's got, you know, more room than anybody else. And we'll just get a little prayer circle going. We'll bring a scroll. We'll read some scripture. We'll worship a little bit and just see what God wants to do. Well, lo and behold, uh, uh, Niger's wife said, uh, hey, what time you guys want breakfast? And they said, you know what? We're not going to eat this morning. She said, praise the Lord. We're not going to eat this morning. We're just going to seek the Lord. And uh, we'll just go all the way through lunch. And she said, okay. So she puts on some, uh, some uh, pinto beans and a, uh, a Jewish version of a ham hock. And uh, she puts it on, and it's kind of going. She feeds the kids, and they're seeking God and praying. And lo and behold, about 11 o'clock, uh, a prophecy comes forth. And it tells that basically Paul is going to go, and he's going to be the minister to the Gentile world. I mean, that's a pretty big thing for a Jewish man in their case. It's in our case, if you can imagine racism in America, hostility in cities. You know, most of the knockout game is one race against another race kind of thing, picking out innocent people of a different race, and it's a crazy thing, banging them over the head just for the fun of it. But there was hostility like that. And, and, and then their wife said, okay, it's getting close to lunch. And they said, wait a minute, God's doing something so big. We want to make sure this is the right thing. We'll fast through lunch, honey, and we'll, we'll eat dinner today. She says, okay. So then they start praying and worshiping and fasting some more. That's what the Bible says. And when there was a confirmation in their hearts, they believed it was the right thing. Their next step was to say, okay, Paul, what are you going to need to do this? Do you have traveling expenses? Do you know people? Here, I can give you the email of somebody that lives in Ephesus or wherever the case is, and we'll get this thing going. I'm telling you, the world was changed when Christian believers got serious about God and began to seek His face through this thing called prayer and fasting. This same thing has great ramifications for you, for you and I today. Because if it was important enough for the early Christians and the early apostles to set aside some time of their life to seek God in a special way, isn't it the same thing for us today? And I'm telling you, everybody in this room can do this. I talked to a guy this week, and he said he was going to do a fast for 21 days just from food. I said, good for you. I don't think I can do that. I blow away in about five to seven days. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start Tuesday morning. I'm going to do a three-day food fast. I'm going to do some of the radio fast. I'll do some other things. But this is something that you can do. This is something that all of us can do to draw near to God. Do you know, if you look back at Moses' day, when Moses went on, the, went on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he didn't know it was about to happen, but something supernatural happened. The Bible sped, said that Moses spent, now listen, 40 days on the mountain, and he didn't eat or drink. Now, that's, that's impossible. You would die. So it had to be supernatural. But guess what happened after those 40 days? He came down from the mountain with the tablets of God, and those tablets have been the foundation of Western civilization. Now, isn't it just possible for a world and a nation and a city that's in such great need, the schools where you work that are in such great need, the hospital system, the medical care that's in such turmoil right now, uh, the violence on the streets of our city, isn't it just possible some citizens could get the mind of God, some Christians, and God could speak to us, come on, as we begin to pray and fast and seek His face and let us have solutions to the problems of the world around us. I'm telling you, this is something that God can do and He can do it through you. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. Let me give you a second one. This is, this is a big one. Psalm 69. Fasting helps me discipline my flesh and awaken my spirit. Now, I want you to stay with me on this one because you and I are spirit beings. 
We have a spirit. We are a spirit, but we live in a body. And we have a soul. A soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's kind of, and these things are hard to figure out how they work together. But when you are born again, your spirit is born again. But listen to what happens when we fast. Psalm 69, when I, I wept and humbled my... With what? I humble my soul with fasting. In other words, I, I'm kind of putting a damper on me. All that is about me. Psalm 109 says, my, my knees are, are weak from fasting. And I'll tell you what, if you miss a meal or two, how many know you're going to get not only a little weak knees, you're going to get a little cranky too. <laughs> That's why it's a good idea if you're going to fast to maybe drop out sugar for a couple days. Cut back on caffeine so you don't have the physical effects. But I want to tell you this, friend. This is the hard part of fasting. And I'll need to be honest with you. I like to eat. And everybody said... Yeah, of course, you can look at your belt. You know what happens to your belt over time, guys. I mean, we all like to And guess what? We have to eat. It's a necessity in life. But listen, when you say no to yourself, it's easier to say yes to God. Let me say it again. If you will say no to yourself in some very simple things, you'll be able to say no to God. Uh, I, I would much rather eat and pray. How many people? Yeah, I'd much rather eat and pray than fast and pray, but if I want results, I need to add this. Let me tell you about the war that's going on. Galatians chapter 5. You and I have a war going on inside of us every day. Some of you experienced that war this morning. You didn't want to get out of bed and come to church. If you know that was your neighbor, lift your hand here. I mean, don't, don't raise your own hand, but if somebody around you didn't want to get out of bed. What is that? That's your flesh saying yes to the bed and no to worship. Listen to what Galatians 5 says, verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit's quickening your spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I want you to think inside of you, whatever it is, that part that says yes to God or no to God, uh, yes to the snooze alarm or no to it. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. Now, that's a big, big deal. Now, your soul, however we want to understand it, but something inside you, call it your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, whatever, but something inside you says uh, it's time to eat. Okay? That same thing inside you, when it goes through the line, says get some dessert. And something else whispers to you, you're not supposed to eat as much dessert. And you said, I know. So since you can't decide, you get two desserts. <laughs> or you don't get a small piece of dessert. And I'm not knocking dessert. How many like dessert? But how many know dessert sometimes has debilitating, uh, you know, I mean, it just kind of can work against you. So if you say, I'm only going to eat one piece of pie, but you've got half the piece of pie on your plate there. I mean, it is one piece. But something inside says the same thing that says yes to that piece of pie is the same thing, your flesh, that says yes to the snooze alarm. How many have hit the snooze so many times it finally quit on you? Let me see your hand here. And the rest of the room is filled with either liars or godly disciplined people. I don't know which. But it's the same thing that makes you hit the snooze multiple times it, when you know you've got to get up is the same thing that makes you watch pornography. It is the same thing that when nobody's home or you're in a hotel and you're watching television and you know what's coming in the next 30 seconds, it's the same thing that makes you just keep your hand on the play button rather than the stop button. 
This is our flesh. It is the same thing when there's a party that's going on and there's a lifestyle that you're trying to leave. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Not that you, the people are bad, evil people. It's just know that if you go in there before you know it, they've given you something to drink, come on, and it is not ginger ale. It's the same party that you're going to go to that after about 30 minutes in the back room, there's going to be smoke coming from the room. And you know that's the life that you live, but you know it's affecting your Christian life if you do it, and you just don't know what to do. And they're standing at the door, they're sending you texts, and you're going to say yes or you're going to say no. I'm telling you, your flesh says yes, come on, but your spirit, if it's stronger, will help you say no. Because I can tell you this from experience. It is easy for me to say, if I can say no to dessert, I can say no to pornography. If I can say no to whatever it is, a lunch to pray and be with God, it'll be easier for me to say no when the sale's going on. Come on. And I don't need to go down to the sale because my closet's already full. I knew you should have gone to another church this morning, okay? But, 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 but I'm going to try to help you out a little bit. It's your flesh. And fasting has the ability to crucify your flesh. Come on, tell your neighbor he's preaching better than we're amening this morning. So that's the second thing. Now let me give you the third one. What I think is, is pretty much the most important one. Fasting helps me reorder my priorities. Now, in January, every one of us, I mean, maybe you're someone who actually does formal New Year's resolutions, but all of us have thought about your diet, the way you're eating, you know, you've thought about exercise and blah, 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 all those things, but you've also thought about spiritual things, and a season of fasting is a time to reorder your priorities of your life. Now, listen to these words in Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet is going to basically rebuke these Jewish people because all they were doing was it was a religious form their fast, and it had nothing from their heart. Listen to the words, Isaiah 58. Uh, Why have you fasted, they say. This is uh, the people talking to God, and you've not seen it. Now, for this whole message, I've told you that fasting is kind of an attention getter with God. Fasting will help you get closer to God. But now they're saying, we're fasting, but God is ignoring us. Notice what he says. Yet on the day of your fasting, you... You do as you please. This, and I need to be honest with you, the greatest challenge of my life is, is, is selfishness. Jesus told me if I wanted to follow him, I needed to do what? Deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And that doesn't mean you go to Africa and your mother Teresa on the streets and you don't ever have anything. No, it just simply means, though, that God wants to be first and not second. It means that God doesn't want to be in the back seat of your life. He wants to be in the front seat. And He doesn't want to just sit next to you. He wants to be in the driver's seat of your life. And can I tell you, that's normal Christianity. It's not American Christianity, but it's biblical Christianity where Christ is Lord of our lives. And can I tell you, you can have a great life. It doesn't mean that you'll never have a thing and never get married and never have kids and never have money and never have a house. Some of the wealthiest people I know are dedicated Christian people, but they're also some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life because God just knows He can trust them and He blesses them and they bless other people. So God's not out to hurt us. He wants to give us a good life, but he's, it, we're vying for first place. And here this on your fasting, you keep doing what you want to, and notice the things he says. You exploit your workers. In other words, you're a supervisor, and, and you make them do the dirty, dirty job, and, and you go sit and play on the Internet in your office. Um, your fasting ends with quarreling and strife. 
In other words, you fasted, you went back home, and you started screaming at the kids, and you know, uh, you hit your husband over the head with a frying pan or whatever you do when you're mad at him. Uh, you're qu- that was my third joke of the morning, and you missed that too. It went right over your head. Verse 6 says, this is the kind of the fast day that I'm after. And listen to this. I want you to break the chains of injustice. Injustice means that if you know something's going on that's wrong and you can do something about it, you get in there. What happens if there's an immigrant that can't speak any English and knows nothing, and the guy that, uh, that, that he or she work, is working for, they only give them 3 or 4 or $5 an hour, come on, and they make them work 12, 14, 15 hours a day in some sweatshop, and you know something about it, come on, then you get involved and you help that person. That's, that's injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. This is practical as it gets. Is it not a, a, a true fast to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? See, this is what Christianity is about. Last night there was a, there was a person in our church, uh, been homeless for a long time, uh, tr- starting to get his act right with God. I mean, just, you know, hard life. But got a trailer and talking about his trailer, so excited, but didn't have anything in it. Well, how many know the people of God can help him get a mattress? Come on, help him get a couch, help him get a lamp, help him get some, come on, something to put in the refrigerator. Uh, uh, this is what Christianity is about. And this is what, what, uh, what, uh, what uh, Isaiah is talking about. Uh, when you see the naked, give them clothes. Don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. And look, I know some of us have families that, I mean, it's not a happy situation there. Come on. Now, how they got in your household is a miracle. It had to be in the hospital. You got the wrong one. I mean, you know, they just, you know, your brother was not your brother. You know what I'm talking about. They made a mistake. But lo and behold, the Bible says we're supposed to build those bridges. And this is what's supposed to happen when we fast. We're drawing near to God, and it affects the way that we relate and treat other people. Because after all, isn't the second greatest commandment in the Bible what? To love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what God is saying. Fasting is a time of reordering the priorities of our lives, how we treat people. He goes on to say this, and here's a great promise. And then, that is, when, you're, when you've reordered your life, uh, the Lord will answer. He will cry for help, and then He'll say, here I am. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of fasting that I want to do. And I want to tell you something about this idea of loving people. You know what true and pure religion is in the Bible? The book of James tells us this. It is taking care of widows and orphans and keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. And that's what a time of fasting does. If you will just take, listen, if it's not a whole lunch break, just take the first 15 minutes. And rather go into a sit-down restaurant than go through a drive-thru afterwards, but take 15 minutes and sit in the parking lot or, or shut the door or go into a closet, turn the light on and get out on your knees and have your Bible and just talk to God a little bit in the place of prayer. If you will just do that just a little bit in your life, you will find, come on, that God will just begin doing some big things in your life spiritually. Isn't that what it's all about? Come on, not just coming to church, but it's being the person God wants us to be. Well, let me close with this scripture. It's the last one, Luke chapter 2. Fasting opens a door to a closer walk with God. If I were to ask every one of us, as we did earlier, every one of us would say, yeah, I want to have a closer walk with God. I want God to be more real to me. But I'm telling you, friend, it's not automatic. 
uh, if you notice the challenge I had to get, to get a guy off the back row there, the one I pointed at wouldn't come, and no problem there. But uh, uh, one finally got up, and, and he only came to the back, and he kind of did his hands like that because he thought, what does the preacher want? It's not like that with God. God is very eager when we just kind of put our gaze towards Him to run to us. You know, as we look at people in the Bible whose lives have made a tremendous impact. Some of them were just kind of born that way. If you look at Moses, he was born to be a deliverer, okay? I mean, that, just, that was his destiny. If you look at Joseph, he was, he was born to be a deliverer of the children of Israel. If you look at Jeremiah, he was born to be a prophet to the nations. But most of the people, like you and I, I mean, we're kind of just living an ordinary life, but God would like to bring an extraordinary element to it. And here's the last scripture of it happening to someone. Luke chapter 2, it's a woman, verse 36. She's a prophetess. And aren't you glad God anoints women for powerful ministries? Come on. She's a prophetess. Her name is Anna. But she's very old. The Bible said she'd been married seven years. And then she was a widow until she was 84. Now, I don't know how old she was when she got married, but they typically married young. So let's just imagine uh, 23. She's married at 23. Her husband dies when she's 30, and she never marries again. So now we've got 50-some years where she lived as a widow. But look how she lived her life. The Bible said, um, verse 37, she was a widow until 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day. What's it say? Now, I don't believe that that literally means she never went home. I don't believe it means she fasted and never ate because, let me know, you're going to die if you, don't, if you don't eat after some period of time. But what it suggests to us is her lifestyle was revolving around God. Her lifestyle was revolving around the people of God, the house of God, and the purpose of God. Now, I want you to see what happened and why I mention her name. Verse 38, at this same time, unbeknownst to her, Jesus Christ has been born. And now Jesus is 40 days old. It's the day of what's called purification. And Jesus is being presented to the temple. It's like a baby dedication. And guess who happens to be there? It's this gal, Anna. The Bible says of her, verse 38, she came up to Mary and Joseph at that very moment, and she gave thanks to God, and then she prophesied. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Now, what does that mean? That means that, uh, that there was a privileged person that was able to not only be there and see Jesus, but someone was able to speak prophetic words what was going to happen. But listen, her name is recorded in the Bible. Come on. And 2,000 years later, we see the impact of this woman's life. And the reason it happened is because she was someone that was given to prayer and fasting. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard when whatever the brand new movie was out at the movie theater and someone said to Anna, say, Anna, come on, let's go to the movies. That's my fourth joke, okay? Let's go to the movies. Uh, and she said, you know what? I'm just so enjoying my time with God because it was not a discipline. It had become a delight for her because the closer she got to God, the more she wanted to be with Him. If you can imagine, if my wife was sitting on the back row, and I was kind of playing a joke with you earlier, but I saw a lady on the back row, and I said, would you mind coming closer? And if she got closer and I saw it was an L, I didn't want her to stop halfway or back way. I'd want to come up and give her a hug. 
And, and you know what? God is the exact same way. The closer you get to God, the closer you're going to want to be for, to Him. And I'm telling you, it'll be hard. This week, if you're going to do what I'm going to do is turn the radio off when your favorite disc jockey's on or talk show or whatever, it'll be a little hard. But as you begin to spend time with God, something big will happen in your life. And I'm telling you, if you can imagine what God could do with you, imagine if all of us gave ourselves to a few weeks of seeking God in a special way. Imagine what He would do, come on, in our great city, Texarkana, USA. Give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to continue this, this next week, and I sure hope you'll be a part of that. But we're going to sing a, a closing song and have a closing prayer. But as we sing, I want to just encourage you, turn your heart off everybody else in your eyes and just close your eyes a moment and just say this, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? How do you want me to begin to seek your face? How do you want me to draw near to you in this brand new year? Because, Lord, I want your will more than anything else. I know it's not always going to be easy. But I know it's best. So what do you want me to do, Holy Spirit? And I want to say yes. your love for us is something that's hard to understand even when I mess up while I was messing up big time you came looking for me and when I fall down and stumble and turn my back on you you're there when I turn back to you and I just want to say thank you for loving me and I want to pray for myself and for all my friends today that you would let these next few days and few weeks be a time when we're turning our hearts closer to God maybe it's the Proverbs 31 challenge maybe it's a lunchtime we'd pray or maybe it's turning off the radio or the TV or, or maybe before we go to bed at night rather than going to bed with late night TV we, we take a few minutes and read the Bible but, but some way Lord to draw near to you will change our life and I ask you to help us in this help us Lord show us your ways and help us say yes in Jesus name Hey, I want to close this way today with a, one opportunity for personal prayer. We'll have one last chorus and go. But uh, maybe you missed the prayer time earlier. Maybe there was something in the message that you want, feel you need prayer for, you want to respond to. We'd be honored to pray with you. But the most important thing is this. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you need to start your relationship with God. You know, I was raised in, in a church and I thought just going to church was enough to get to heaven. I, I thought, you know, more good than bad, that, that works. But it's not the way it is. 
I want you to imagine a train going by, and you're just standing watching this train, and this train is bound to heaven, but the problem is going 70 miles an hour, and you're watching it, but watching it's not enough. One day you find yourself at the train station, train stations like the church, and the train stops. And you hear the conductor say, who wants to get on board? Well, that's me. And it's not to join the church, but it's simply to say, maybe you need to dedicate your life to Christ. I'm telling you now what a Gideon told me 30 years ago is that Jesus wants a personal relationship with you, but you need to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You can't fast enough to go to heaven. You can give all your money away. That wouldn't earn heaven for you. You can go to church seven days a week. You can be like Anna and live in church and still not go to heaven. What makes a person a Christian is when Christ has forgiven their sins. When you have personally encountered God and asked for his forgiveness but turned your heart to follow him. And maybe this is your day to follow Christ. Maybe today is a day for you to start this new year surrendering your life to Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've done this before and prayed, but maybe you've just gotten away from God. Don't know how it happened, but you know you want back to God. We'd be honored to pray with you today and help you make your step to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. You're talking to me now. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want Jesus to save me and give me a brand new life. If that's you, just lift your hand real quickly. I want to pray for you today. Real quickly, I want to pray for you. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Give her a big hand. God bless you. I see some, some hand right here. God bless you. Give them a big hand. God bless you, too. Give her a big hand. Others today, wave at me so I can see. God bless you, sir. Others, God bless you, too, dear, right over here. Others, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. Someone else today, God bless you, too. And God bless you, too. Give them a big hand. Come on. I don't want a thing from you. I'm just telling you the way to go. Somebody else say, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ today. I want to know Christ as my Savior. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to sing, and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. All you that lifted your hand, come and let us pray for you. We want to give you something that's going to help you live the Christian life. And if anyone else wants prayer, you come too, and they'll pray for you, and then we'll go. But come on, give them one more big hand. You that are making steps to Christ, you come right now. Our prayer team is coming with you. I want you to just go, make your way over to the cross right here. You that are committing to Christ, just make your way over to the cross. Somebody will meet you. Come, let us pray with you today. God is reaching out to you, and we want to be his hands extended. Come, let us pray. I love you very much. Good to see you today.